Monica, we are heading towards another episode in our true crime series. And today I'm going to talk about the method of murder that women tend to gravitate towards more than men. Ooh, and what is that? That is poison. <gasps> oh, yes. Yeah, so women are seven times more likely to choose poison than a man would. There are definitely several stories about women poisoners over the years, and that's what I'm going to share with you in today's episode. We are going to discover that women poisoners generally kill their family members, not strangers, and they do it for money which I think we could both agree is different than some of the serial killers that we've discussed in the past who seem to just murder solely for the pleasure aspect. You're listening to Two Monicas in a Microphone. I'm your host, Monica. And I'm the other Monica. Join us each week as we talk about anything and everything from pop culture, the human experience, history to nostalgia, and everything in between. Hey, before we get started, don't forget to hit that follow button on your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star review. You can also connect with us on all social media at 2Monica's Podcast, and that's with the number two. All right. Thanks, Mon. Now back to the show. All right. To be clear, I am not going to go into any of the medical professionals who killed their victims with overdoses and medication. Okay. So that's like its own genre of creepy woman killer. Okay. Uh, and we did discuss one of them in the serial killer episode. Yes. Yes. So none of those people are here. We're just talking about women who poison. So I thought it would be fun to start with royalty, not modern. There's like no modern <laughs> royalty. They they may choose other ways, right? Some of these that I'm going to share have been debated over the centuries, but they still made my list of royal women who poison. Okay, what's the first one? The first one is Agrippina the Younger. I mean, that's a very interesting name because she was so beautiful. I have no idea. Anyway, so she murdered her her husband, who was the fourth Roman emperor. It was Emperor Claudius. And she did it so that her son Nero could take the throne. And we all know Nero was super terrible, which explains why his mother was super terrible, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he actually had her executed. Uh, yeah, she should not have done him any favors. No, no. And oh, I love this one. Catherine de Medici. The Medici family is super, super infamous. She was the wife of King Henry II of France. And she supposedly killed the mother of her future daughter-in-law because the mother opposed the marriage. Um, Yeah, she was totally ruthless in making sure all three of her sons had access to the throne. She did a lot of things, and I think this may have been the most subtle thing she did. So then we get on to something that it may have involved men and women, but I had never heard of it, and it sounded really interesting. So this is called the Affair of Poisons, and this was between 1677 and 1682 in King Louis XIV aka the sun king which is like the only thing and i remember you do know that world that's history. the 14th right king louis in junior the 14th. high i do i do so i think what's cooler is that i remembered it was the sun king so 
I oh, feel like okay. I should get bonus okay. points for that, other than being able to read the Roman numerals. Um, you, you win Jeopardy right now. So this all happened in his court. So it had a series of scandals where like the members of the aristocracy were poisoning each other. Is this was, why you always had someone else taste your food? <laughs> yeah, right. I forget what those were called, but I don't know if that's why, but this was actually like it plagued the court. So, but the motives were pretty simple. I mean, money and prestige. So I guess that when you're a total elitist and you already have everything, I guess you just want more. And that's what was going on. And 36 people were executed and dozens were exiled. It was five years. That's a lot of people yeah. in five years. Yes, yes. So what I thought was also interesting is that this ends with a boy whose mother was exiled because of the poisonings. And then this boy goes on to become a general and enemy of Louis the 14th aka the Sun King and he actually served in the Austrian army so I don't know it's pretty epic it's a cool story I'm like why has oh. this not been made into something up next we have the pre-Victorians Victorians and early 20th century poisoners No, I love the Victorians, but I, I didn't do a lot with them here because they have so many other gruesome tales to tell. And I'll just save that for another episode. Who are we talking about? Well, first up, we have someone whose name I'm not sure how to pronounce. It's Julia. It looks like, yeah, Julia. I'll say it looks like the Italian form of Julia, Tofana. And I call her the myth, the legend, the poisoner. So she poisoned people between 1620 and 1659 using arsenic lead and belladonna coming up with a potion that that's she 40 years oh for sure it was a ring it was a ring like she had over 600 victims what yeah yeah so there is a lot of speculation that surrounds her from the rumor that her mother was executed for being a poisoner of the same type to the reason why she sold the poison in the first place or even if she was a poisoner at all and also how she died i mean there's just so much speculation where she is concerned you can't really say that she did these things but a lot of evidence points to it but she was never convicted or tried at all i wish you could see my face right now because I, I like I just this is insane yes yes so there's a thing called the inheritance poison but the legend of Julia goes that she sold the poison to women who were being either abused by their husbands or the women just wanted a way out there weren't a lot of ways out in 1600s in Italy for women right um, yeah so I think that it kind of is one of those things where people are like no it's really cool to say she was helping women when in fact, it was probably several, <laughs> several things coming into play here. And we just don't know all the details of every single victim. And I did include her, even though I feel like she is somewhat of a myth and legend, um, because she is on every list of poisoner out there. The story is most likely true. The evidence is underwhelming, though. Mm. But what is factual is that her alleged apprentice was sentenced to death for being involved in a poison ring. 
that did just this. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it did exist. It's just, was she the mastermind? Was her mother Mm. the mastermind? You know, those are the types of. Right. Right. uh, Yeah. And they didn't, you know, keep a lot of bookkeeping for us to know. No little black book for her. No, no. Um, Okay. So I do have a Victorian because she is Britain's first female serial killer. And that is Mary Ann Cotton. Oh, my, my. Okay, so Monica, I see here that she has murdered three husbands, two lovers, 11 of her own children, and a stepson. What in the world? Yeah, I don't know. Um, It was actually the death of that stepson who was a little eight-year-old boy that made people suspicious, especially after she said, I won't be troubled long in response to his gastric fever. She's a horrible, horrible, horrible person. So this was in the North Wales Chronicle in 1872. Marianne, and I quote, Marianne Cotton, a widow, is in custody at West Auckland, charged with having poisoned her stepson, aged eight years. It is said that the prisoner, who is comparatively a young woman, has had three husbands, 15 children, and that they as well as two lodgers died under her roof. Okay, so why'd she do it? Insurance money, duh. I feel like that is the answer for so many of these wicked women. O-M-G. Yeah, back then, like, the insurance scam, I mean, H.H. Holmes killed his people for the insurance money, um, which is kind of It still rare. happens I think today. For both. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It still happens today. Yeah. I think there's a lot more regulations that help it not happen as often. But as you said, it still happens. Mm-hmm. It's one of the prime motivating factors or, you know, if there's a motive that right. is definitely included, especially between right. spouses. Yes, yes, yes. And there is just a lot of stories about one-on-one poisonings as well. And like you said. Yeah. Well, Monica, I want to take this next one because I used to live in Missouri. Okay. We're talking about Bertha Gifford, heart of gold, hands of death. It doesn't seem like they have a definitive number for how many victims she had. Could be anywhere from three to 17. Correct. And where is she? Where was she? She got committed to a mental facility and then she ended up dying of natural causes. Uh, Oh, back when we had asylums. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Um, But she was considered a good Samaritan in her community. She was also known as a deathbed watcher and would even travel into the wind, snow and cold to help the family in need. Oh, that sounds so nice. Yeah, doesn't it? She sounds yeah. just so sweet. Yeah, definitely. So, Monica, you know how arsonists tend to like to look at their work. They like yeah. to be there when the fire erupts and mm-hmm. the house is burning down, even if they don't commit it. Yeah. Bertha was that way at the funerals. Ew. Yep. She would go to the funerals in the town. Every funeral? She only missed one in the town in 18 years she lived there. Okay, that's kind of a little bit of a sick obsession. I mean, we're post-Victorian lady. No, it gets worse. It gets worse. (laughs) Oh. She killed sick children. Aww. Yes, but it wasn't until two healthy men died on her watch 
that the authorities listened to the speculation that she wasn't as sweet as she seemed. And she was indeed a ruthless killer. And what's just really weird about this one is I don't really know that they discovered why she did it. You know, like we talked about before, insurance money or whatnot. But I think that's why she did commit, get committed to the mental facility. I mean, you have no excuse for killing already sick children. Oh, Monica, she would like kind of nurse them back to health. If they got nursed back to health, she'd Munch get like real upset. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to move on to modern times. It does feel like people wouldn't be poisoned anymore, right? I mean, because it has got to be a lot harder. But no, even into the mid and late 20th century, there were serial poisoners. That doesn't mean that there haven't been any in this century. It just means that this is where the end of my research is. <laughs> so up first, we have Dorothea Puente, and I call her the landlady from hell. Oh, I know this chick. Oh, okay. So do you want to share with us a little bit about what oh, she yeah, did? Oh, yeah. No, I, okay. I totally, she would take in homeless men and she would give them a place to live, right? She had a boarding house. Yeah. But, so she would take in not just homeless men, Monica, but like disabled people yes. and elderly people. Yes. Yeah. Like anybody who needed help, she was taking them in. And she was known as a, a woman who would do good because she had this house and she was just letting them live there for free mm -hmm. supposedly but she was also stealing their social security checks and if yes. their families checked in on them she would mm -hmm. tell them that they went to mexico and they were living happily in mexico oh yeah oh yeah um but did you know this that in 1982 uh she was accused of drugging a border and stealing his pension and then she was sentenced to five years in prison for doing this but then they let her out three years later and she would have parole agents who would come in and investigate her house and just make sure that she wasn't taking elderly people's checks but she was uh, doing that yeah she totally was and she even hid some of the bodies on her own property. Oh yeah, one of the boarders who was a schizophrenic, he went missing and then his social worker went to check on him and then they discovered seven bodies in her yard. And get this, and I'm sure you know this, but our listeners don't, when the investigation initially began, she wasn't considered a suspect, even though oh, she had been in prison for drugging somebody and stealing his checks. But Friends. let's not think that maybe she did this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there is a whole entire podcast just about her. Then like when she got busted, like she ran off to LA and like yes. immediately goes to a bar and is like trying to, I don't know what, but an elderly man with a pension. I don't know if she's trying to seduce him, befriend him, whatever. And he like recognized her and called the police. Based on the podcast that I listened to, yeah, uh, she was talking with, um, like, let's say, a detective, right? And she asked okay. if she could go into a hotel to get coffee. And he's like, yeah, sure, why not? So she goes into the hotel and she goes out the back door. And that's how she escaped. Oh, my gosh. Um, I just feel like the police and authorities really dropped the ball with this woman. Like, really, if you have parole agents going in there this whole time and she's like got bodies buried. Mm -hmm. I mean, good grief. She reminds me of a Victorian woman named Amy Archer Gilligan. And she essentially did the same thing. Only she ran like a proper nursing home. I don't know how proper it was back then. 
then, but, and she would take the life insurance money and poison the elderly. These people are crazy, crazy. Oh, Um, who is this? The giggling (laughs) granny? Yeah. So up next we have the giggling granny, Nanny Doss. Now I don't usually have sympathy for a lot of of these people but with her I felt like I just there was just something not right about her I mean look at these photos of her so she did suffer brain injury as a child and it's noted that it completely changed her personality so I think that possibly Mm -hmm. that played into her choices later and why she is smiling like a weirdo here when she is like in custody I would really love to do an episode sometime during True Crime on the early childhood of many of these killers because it is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, a a lot of these women on here came from abuse, but not all of them. But maybe you just not documented, right? Very interesting. Monica, how many times was she married? She was married five times and she confessed to killing four of those husbands, but authorities believe that she killed other family members. So I see victims, 11. Yeah, so those would be the other family members. So like a little newborn granddaughter (gasps) that she killed with a long hat pin. What? Oh my God. Yeah, and her grandson died by asphyxiation a few months later while in her care. And her sister and her mother died suddenly while in her care as well. First of all, said she did nothing to her family, but did admit to four of the five husbands. And so they said, well, why did you do this? And she said that it was not for insurance money. And she said simply, and I quote, I was searching for the perfect mate, the real romance in life. Um, so having just celebrated my eighth anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is not a thing. Yeah, so what she would do instead of breaking up is just murder them and move on. Now, there is some stories about when she was younger, she was really, really obsessed with the Lonely Hearts column of romance magazines. And as a young girl um, in her adolescence, she was not allowed to wear makeup or be pretty or go to dances or do anything that might attract male attention. That's sad. Yeah, so I think between that and her brain injury, she just she just wasn't right. Like, she almost reminds me of an Alfred Hitchcock character. There's another yes. movie idea for Nothing Serious Productions. Yeah, oh my goodness. Like, we're just coming up with all sorts of them. Again, casting calls coming soon. two stories here of what I call unlucky women. And just suffice it to say that we're just going to quickly kind of read through what happened. And I find it amusing, like in a bad amusing way that like, come on. Like, I guess it's not funny. Haha, but funny. Haha. Right, right. So the first one is, I mean, supposedly she only had three victims, but her first husband died of mysterious malady three months after coming home from Vietnam, and she collected three life insurance policies. Whoa. Okay, so is she so unlucky that a couple of months later she collected on another policy when her home burned down? Mm Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, another home burned down? Yes, I feel like that should have red flagged some people, but no. Later, her lover died of a mysterious illness, and but luckily, she was able to collect on several life insurance policies. Wow, and her adult son got metal poisoning while visiting yes. her? 
Yeah. And he became disabled and she had to care for him. And then he later died in a canoeing trip with her. Okay. That is so fishy. (laughs) So fishy. Right. And so she collected three life insurance policies on him as well. I just can't believe these moms that kill their kids for life insurance policies. Like I just, it just, no, it bothers me. Bothers me way more than a weird Ted Bundy killing a stranger. Like just way more. Yeah. Um, I mean, you gave birth to the baby. Yeah. Yeah. So then she dated a man named John Gentry and took out a life insurance policy on him. He was hospitalized with a mysterious sickness, but he survived. Now get this. Uh huh. <laughs> he returned to the hospital because his car exploded. Oh, she stepped up her game. She stepped up her game. Right. So I don't know if she did the car bomb. I didn't have time to totally investigate this, but I'm Oh, she totally did. Yeah. I I mean, I'm just sorry, lady. I feel like she did it. And then, so it was that incident that led the police to discover that she had laced all of his vitamins with arsenic and then uncovered all the other people that she had killed with arsenic. I mean, arsenic, rat poisoning, and antifreeze. Three really good ways to poison someone. Yeah. Yeah. So take it from Monica. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yeah. So Monica, why don't you tell us about this next unlucky woman? Oh yeah. Because it's like four names. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Margie Velma Bullard Barfield. Whoa. Say that five times fast. She is perhaps the unluckiest woman alive. Well, yeah, I feel like it when I was reading what happened to her. She had six victims and her spree was from 1969 to 1978 in North Carolina. That's quite a long, quote unquote, reign. Yeah. And I think for some of these women, their reigns are a little bit longer because it is people they know that they're killing. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the men who are running around and just getting this fixed like this is calculated and it's like oh i need some money time for you to die but like the other one that we talked about oh there's a house fire and she happened to not be there but her husband was and he died so what did she take the smoke detector batteries out I don't know. It was in 1969, so it's probably easier to get away with house fires. But then, soon afterwards, the entire home happened to go up in flames, which I'm going to guess is to cover up evidence. Uh Aha. Then she married this guy named Jennings Barfield, but that lasted about a year, and then he died. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, one one year. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Then um, she moved in with her parents, but then her father died of cancer. Maybe. I mean, I'll be honest. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. And then her mother died of a mysterious illness. Of course. Yeah. Her boyfriend died. that mysterious malady. Yes. And then her boyfriend also died in a car accident. I mean, this sounds like the other unlucky woman. I mean, there's car bombs. There's car accidents. People dying of mysterious illness. This is. So um, then... She moved in with an elderly couple to be their nurse. Isn't she the sweetest? A year later, sadly, they died. She's got this like (laughs) black cloud hanging over her. The next elderly man that she took care of also died. I mean, within months. So then she moved in with her boyfriend 
His name is Stuart Taylor, and he died of a mysterious illness. And this is where the streak of her bad luck ends. Because Why? It was Did someone his... finally say, okay, you right. have a lot of people dying around you? Yeah, yeah. So pretty much, I think someone who loved Stuart Taylor was like, uh, let's check this out. Right. There is one thing I wanted to share from her story that I just felt like was a really interesting fact. And you know, we both love interesting facts. So they think that she may have been suffering from a personality disorder like as in she had multiple personalities mm, and supposedly yeah so she had had a lot of sexual trauma Oh. Um, and incest. That's what I'm saying. Like a lot of these stories yeah. for these people are really sad. So I guess that one of the personalities came out and admitted to the murders. So they tried to get her from having a death sentence to having a life sentence instead, partly due to this and partly due to her behavior. And she became a changed person. And actually prison was probably good for her. <laughs> um, okay. But when they went and talked to the judge... This is what he said in reference to her personality disorder, and I quote, and this is in reference to there being multiple personalities, okay? One of them did it. I don't care which one. And she was executed by lethal injection and was the first woman in North Carolina to wow. have Wow. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you can't control your personalities... Mm. Well, yeah. So what they were saying is that she should be treated more like a mental patient. Usually what happens is, is if it's because of insanity, we do not execute them. So it's just one of those things where you just realize that abuse is, it does not turn this way for everyone who's been abused, but it can turn so bad for some yeah. people and affect others in just really horrific ways. So I think we're going to close with what I call pure evil, and that is Tilly Klemek. So her date range is 1914 to 1921 in Chicago. She had five to seven victims. And Monica, I think that you should share with us this litany of things that this woman did. She is, I, I just think she's evil personally. OMG. She was known for predicting the deaths of neighborhood dogs yeah. uh, because she killed them. Most likely. Yeah, okay. And so in 1914, she predicted the death of her husband, who died three weeks after the prediction. And she collected his life insurance money. Shocker. But then she remarried after going to a matchmaker. I mean, who doesn't love a good matchmaker? Right. And that husband died within three months of the marriage, just as Tilly predicted. What happened to her third husband, Monica? Yeah, so he did survive a few years, but then he also died. Yeah. Uh, and she correctly predicted the death of a neighbor. Oh, gee, what a shock. Yeah. Yeah. This woman had been raising suspicion that maybe Tilly was a murderer. Oh, yeah. there's no motive there. Not at all. Yeah, none. None. Nope. Tilly also correctly predicted the death of three children belonging to a family that she was having trouble with. And sure enough. You know, the children died. She killed... Uh, okay. Yeah, and that's why I say pure evil. Pure, pure evil. evil. Killing children. Pure evil. And then she had a fourth husband. Mm-hmm. And he got sick. But his family yes. came to visit. 
and he went to the hospital where they pumped his stomach. And this ended Tilly's clairvoyant streak as she was sentenced <laughs> to life in prison for trying to kill her husband. And she was also not allowed to cook food for the other inmates. That was literally written <laughs> into her conviction. That is just too fantastic. I mean, can you just imagine, oh, yeah, these dogs are going to die. Oh, she's killing dogs, like, in children. Yeah, no. Okay, so I can see why you ended with pure evil, because, yeah, pure evil. Yeah. So, Monica, what did you think of all the poisoners? Do you prefer listening to these women, or do you prefer listening to what I feel like is, like, 1970s co-ed psycho killers? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I love it all. It's so, it's so sick and twisted. Uh, and Paul, he tells me all the time, he's like, I sleep with one eye open. It's eight years now. Come on. Yeah. Eight You're years. Fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say this, Paul, like if you die mysteriously, like we're all in your corner and we know that Monica. <laughs> oh, that is, so, that is so wrong. Oh my God. Well, friends, yes. if you like this episode, please share it with a friend and don't forget we have all of last season's true crime that you can binge right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. All right. Until next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and letting us be part of your day, whether that's folding socks, driving to work, or getting in your cardio. We're happy to provide you with entertainment about nothing serious, seriously. Don't forget to subscribe or follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you're loving it, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram at 2MonicasPodcast. That's with the number two. Access extended show notes and more at our website, 2MonicasPodcast.com. Love this episode? Hit that share button and send to a friend who'd like it too. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of 2 Monicas in a Microphone. Awesome. That was fun. Music credit to Kevin McLeod, trio for piano, cello, and clarinet.